You are listening to Spot On, a health and wellness podcast that breaks through the latest media headlines to provide you with accurate and usable information that is, well, spot on, spot on to meet your needs. I am your host, Dr. Joan Salji-Blake, a nutrition professor at Boston University and the author of the college textbook called Nutrition and You, which is used in colleges across the United States and abroad. Hello, Spot On listeners. Joan Salji Blake here. Thank you for joining us and for kicking off season eight of Spot On. And I brought in a rock star with me to kick off the season. You know, all I'm hearing so much is about high protein diets, high protein diets. And, you know, do you, you want to beef up your muscles by eating more protein? So I want to get to the bottom of this and I invited my good friend, Leslie Bonsi here uh, to talk about this. She is a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and she's the owner of Active Eating, a nutrition consulting company. She's also the author of Sports Nutrition for Coaches, but something else that she also does in her spare time. Uh, just a little side gig that she has. She is the sports nutrition consultant for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, that one, the Kansas City Chiefs. And I have to tell you a very, very funny story because you know that I'm here at Boston University. And so um, if you follow the NFL, you know you follow the Patriots in New England. It's like a religion. So once a year, Leslie and I go to this conference in January, and oftentimes it's the AFC playoffs, and uh, guess what we're doing? So here we are, we're good friends, we're laughing, and all of a sudden it's the night of the uh, of the playoffs, and who's playing who? You get it, the New England Patriots against the Kansas City Chiefs, and from there on in, we don't talk for the rest of the meeting. That's it, because we're angry. Because one of us is going to win and one of us is going to lose. I, and just FYI, I win more than she does. And she is just nasty when she gets angry. So anyway, with that, I'm going to give Leslie Bonsi. Thank you for coming on Spot On to talk about, you know, beefing up your muscles. You know, do we need more protein? So, Leslie, first of all, thank you for coming on, my dear. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You know, And I love this topic. And, you know, I mean, it is important, obviously, if you're a football player, you don't want somebody to like blow on you and then you pass out because you don't have any muscles. But on the other hand is there's so much excess out there. It's here, I've just eaten five steaks and I need a protein powder. Oh, honey, that would be no. Because, you know, there reaches the point of like upper limit, mostly because what are you not getting? If you're just right. going to do protein, your bowels don't move. This is not a good thing. Right. So. Then you have a constipated NFL player. This <laughs> is just not good. Okay. Not, not good. All right. Yeah. I want to tell you, I always do, I, my, my listeners always know that I do my homework. So while I was prepping for this, I was reading all about protein in for uh, muscle mass and for athletes and not, and weekend athletes. It doesn't have to be the NFL. And while I was doing it, I was eating a rotisserie chicken because I was really like a pumping up and getting ready for this. So we're going to get into that. And I probably did everything wrong. So Let's start off with what is the role that protein plays in, in you know, building and maintaining muscle mass? 
Well, and first of all, think about the fact that protein is so critical for many, many different functions. Muscle is one of them, but to support a healthy immune system, our antibodies, it's just general functions of the body. But specifically, we have to have those building blocks, the amino acids of protein, because that's really what has the role to play in terms of what we talk as muscle protein synthesis, or in other words, building or maintaining what you have. Nobody does that 24 hours a day, but you have to have enough to make that happen. Otherwise, it's the rate limiting step and, you know, then you're frail and we don't want that to be the case. No, we don't want that. So, so again, that's interesting what you just said. You know, you you always hear like, I want to have muscle protein synthesis, but that's not going on 24 hours a day. There is some breakdown going on. Can you explain that? Because people say, well, I eat all day. How can there be breakdown? So tell yeah. me. And, and so truly, when do we build muscle? And there's two times. One, in a fed state, but that also depends upon what you're eating. And two, uh, with the type of exercise that we might do. So when people are doing resistance training or strength training in some way, shape or form, that is when you are building muscle. But you don't exercise 24 hours a day. And hopefully people aren't eating 24 hours a day. So there's this natural ebb and flow that occurs. Mm -hmm. The goal, however, is over the course of 24 hours, there's more protein synthesis happening than breakdown. That's what we want to see. And part of that is, are people eating enough? What are people eating? And how often are they eating over the course of the day? Right, right. Okay, so that that makes the total sense for me. And you know, you know, some I'm hearing all of these, you know, high protein diets, but we're going to be talking about, you know, some kind of sources of protein maybe better than others. One thing I read about, and I want you to explain this to me. All this about that you said that the amino acids were the building blocks of protein, so you need all these amino acids to get, you know, um, muscle mass uh, preserved. I read about this amino acid called leucine. So can you, what, what is this? It's like, it's like the big kahuna of all the amino acids. (laughs) That's right. It's the the CEO. So leucine is really the primary driver of muscle protein synthesis. Now that doesn't mean that we go to a health food store and just buy leucine. There is leucine in the foods that we eat. However, some have more than others. And you you have to have enough leucine at an eating occasion in order for muscle protein synthesis to occur. So this is a big deal, especially for people who choose to be plant-based or more vegan, because not a lot of vegan protein sources have significant amounts of protein. You can get it, but you have to eat copious amounts of those foods, and that's just not always comfortable. So we want to make sure the quality of the protein, that's really what this relates to, is eating things that have enough leucine in them. We're really looking at about three grams of leucine per eating occasion, which translates, depending upon the food, 20 to 30 grams of protein is what you would have to consume at a meal to get enough leucine. So if you eat 20 to 30 grams of protein, that's not 20 to 30 grams of leucine, it's all the other things. Right. Okay. So that's important because what you just said that not not all protein sources are created equal and you want this, you want protein at the meal, but you also want this extra bonus kahuna, light leucine. So can you give me some sources of foods that would be like high in leucine? Yeah. So I mean, basically when you're looking at animal source protein, so dairy foods, uh, and particularly whey, one of the, one of the proteins in milk is very, very high in leucine. A uh, beef is very high in leucine. Poultry has some. Wait, eggs so wait, that, what, that rotisserie chicken? That rotisserie chicken. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. But again, you know, we thought that we don't have to eat the whole fowl. We can have a part of it and it's going to be fine. So those those are going to be the big sources. Now, there is some leucine in 
peanuts and beans and soy, but not the same amount. So you'd okay. have to eat more of those at that occasion to that eating occasion to equal what you would get in some of the animal sources. Right. And if you eat the beans, Leslie, they wouldn't be constipated. So yeah, well, see, yeah, but you know, the, the, and this is sometimes people will say, well, why don't I just do a supplement? And because if you do that, leucine alone is not what it needs to yeah. be. We need to have enough of everything. And that's why I'm a very big believer food first. That's really important, Leslie, because people are saying, you know, I want to beef up, I want muscle, and they're going to the, the, the health food section or the uh, supplement section. And, and it, it's not supplements. It's food first because everything's working together. But isn't, you got to also do this, you said the resistant exercises with it. Yeah, I'm not, that rotisserie chicken, I sat in the chair, so no muscle was being made during the rotisserie chicken, right? Maybe that's right. Yeah. Right, right. So, so, so what do you have to do at the same time? Yeah. So, I mean, and probably unless somebody's extremely adept and agile, oh, you know, a leg in one hand, a weight in the other, and then you smack yourself in the face and you have a broken nose. So this is not good. But well, it, it's a turkey drumstick. It could be heavy. Okay. That's right. right. And then right. you're wrestling right. it out of somebody else's hand. But you right. know, ideally, if the goal, and I think this is certainly true for women as well as for men is we have to hold on to the muscle we have. It is critically important. Plus, you know, you never know when you might be asked to fell a tree or something like that <laughs> requires upper body, picking up a grandchild. Upper body right. strength, it's important. So that is resistance training. But let's look at this. So people will say, "What well, I weight train, but I'm eating minimal protein. Mm -mm. They're not mutually exclusive. It is doing both of those things in the course of a day or several times a week for resistance training, definitely protein every day and as part of every meal. So not either or both. Right. Okay. So let's, let's first uh, do that one first. So you're saying, in other words, that rotisserie chicken that I ate, the whole chicken is like not good. I should have taken the rotisserie chicken, had maybe the leg at breakfast, maybe the breast at lunch, maybe the thigh at dinner, right? So, so is that, is that basically it? Spread those body parts out over the course of the day. That's absolutely Yes. But, and this is what people do, right? Did they eat in the shape of a Nike swoosh? Little, little, and now let me eat an entire tuna at dinner. And this is the problem. So, you know, people just hear a number, right? It's like so many grams of protein. No, no, no. It is how you eat that protein over the day, not just the number of grams of protein that you get. So what would be like, how much protein should you have at each meal? And, and depending upon that individual, depending upon the goals that they have, you know, for instance, some of my athletes here are trying to trim down a little bit. That doesn't mean lose muscle. It means lose body fat. So their protein needs are higher or they're coming back from injury or whatever the case is. So somewhere between 20 to 40 grams at a meal. That's not that excessive to do. So you know, with 20 grams of protein, we're looking at right, palm size, but that's what that is, or right, the size of our smartphone. Right? That's what it is. Right. So right. Uh, you know, the 40, even 40 is you're talking six ounces of something. So it's right. not that big. And you know, people think, I can't possibly do that. Well, yes, you can. You do Greek yogurt in the morning. How easy is that? Put right. things in a smoothie. You know, everything else goes in there. Nails. Yeah. I don't know, grass, <laughs> put some protein in there too. Right. All the food waste goes in there. So the, so what you're saying is like, the, it sounds like a lot of uh, grams of protein, but you know, like you said, like a Greek yogurt is what, a 12, 8, 18 grams of protein. You put it, maybe have an egg with that and have some cheese and bingo, you're there. So it's not like, you know, uh, you know, the whole plate has to be protein. And, and I would assume you don't want 
the plate to be all protein? Because don't you need carbs when you're doing the weight resistant exercising? Well, first of all, and I, th I think a lot of people, when they think about protein, it's like, oh, well, that's animal foods. Or interestingly, I have a lot of consumers that will say to me, but that's just beef. It's like, no, I don't know. Poultry and fish have protein too. They do, as do eggs. But mm -hmm. plants have protein in them. Grains have protein in them. Beans have protein in them. Nuts and seeds. So it isn't just eating animal foods. We can get that from a mix of items. So yes, that does work really, really well. And so we need to, to remember to do that. In terms of looking at the balance on the plate, protein is not the most efficient fuel source for exercise, whether it's resistance training or cardio. So you do want to have some carbohydrate there. And that kind of acts as a sacrifice fly. So that's what the body uses as an energy source during exercise. So your body doesn't have to break down its own protein. That's what we're trying not to do. Plus, it puts more diversity and enjoyment on the plate. You know, okay, I'll just have rotisserie chicken. It's like, mm -hmm. After a while, no, there's no color. It's a little pale. Yeah, we need some greenery. We need some crunch. We need some other things that are there. Right. So in other words, in the morning when I had that Greek yogurt, it would be advantageous. And I said, maybe an egg and some cheese, but maybe have um, cereal with it or sit on top of the Greek yogurt or toast or some some egg. On it or something. Right. Like right. So you get the carbohydrate. So, so, okay. So, so again, you want this mix of everything on the plate. Everyone can play in the sandbox together here when it comes to your diet. Now you said eat it during the day. What about, should you, if you're going to go, I'm going to go to the gym and do weight resistant exercise. Should I like beef up the protein right before I go? Like, should I give like a, you know, have uh, some protein before I start doing my resistant exercise? What should I do? Well, you know, a, a lot of this is, and, and what I always do as a first step when I'm talking with people and they have goals is I want to get an idea of what they're eating currently, right? So are you including protein as part of every meal? You don't get brownie points for extra. It's just excess. So yes, we want to make sure there's protein as part of that meal. If somebody says, maybe I've eaten four hours before I'm going to lift and it's going to be another couple before I eat again. Yes, you might want some protein and carbohydrate at that time. If you have eaten breakfast and then you're going right to the gym, we don't have to double dip. There's no need for more. You had it in what you right. ate. It becomes more important after, but that's also related to when you're going to eat again. So for instance, here, you know, because I have, I, I don't call people out because they don't like that. But you know, I watch silently stalking what it is that my players do. So okay, we just lifted. Now we have a protein shake the size of a vat. And then we'll go eat dinner. It's like, hmm, not necessary, because you don't need all that at one time. And right. Mere mortals don't need that either. So you really want to do this appropriately so that we're having what the body needs. Yes, we want to have some protein after resistance training to start that re repair process, but that could be a meal or that could be something else because it's going to be a while until you eat. Right. That's what so I also read that it may be beneficial to eat protein while you're doing while you're exercising. I I, I, I don't know if I, if I started bringing the rotisserie chicken into the weight room, I might have problems. People may be looking. So, I mean, I mean, first of all, is this true? You should eat it during? And if so, what? Because, you know, you're lifting weight. Right. And and I think that really depends upon the goals somebody has. If somebody is really like a, an elite athlete, and that's what a lot of the studies were done on elite athletes, or somebody recovering from injury and their needs might be higher, then there may be a reason to do it. For, for the majority of us, 
us, then we can make it through a bout of lifting without needing anything else in our hand. However, if we do want to have something during that time, it might be because it's in the form of a protein shake, not something enormous, or it might be a bar because that's pretty discreet. It's not messy. It's not smelly. It's like, do not open up a can of tuna fish in the gym because most people... (laughs) What is that and get out? So, yeah, but I, I think most of, if, if we're doing the parentheses, right? So if we're doing the pre and the post, that's pretty much going to cover. That's going to cover what you want to do. Okay. So, and, and so what about, okay, I mean, do you need carbohydrates during the lifting? I mean, because you're, you're really, you know, working here. Is that important? Yeah, not really. Uh, and just simply because, you know, during exercise, and, and some of it depends upon the, the duration of what you're doing. So if it's somebody doing more cardio activity, yes, over a longer period of time, absolutely. For strength training, not always necessary. Yes, but we want carbohydrate in the meal before. I mean, that's important. And we want carbohydrate when we're done. So the carbohydrate after is not really helping with muscle protein synthesis, but the protein with the carbohydrate is helping with muscle glycogen resynthesis after exercise. So there is a purpose for that pairing to be there. You know, I read and I'm reading uh, everything about chocolate milk. And what you just said to me, chocolate, you know, chocolate milk is a great recovery for, 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 you know, if you work out or, you know, running or something like that. And I get what you just said, because now I do have leucine there is in dairy. So that sounds okay. So I got good protein, good animals that leucine. Okay. And then you, you know, you got that carbohydrates going on too. So tell me about the chocolate milk thing. Is it, is it good? What? Yeah, it works very well. It's inexpensive. It's flavorful. You know, people like it. It's pretty accessible. You can find that at a convenience store. You can find it at a grocery store. So, you know, it, it obviously for people that are allergic to milk or lactose intolerant it can be a challenge, but there are other options that are there. But when we're talking about chocolate milk, we are talking about dairy. So we're not talking about like a chocolate almond milk. It just isn't enough protein that is there. You know, the other advantage of having chocolate milk, it's a fluid. So you're kind of checking three boxes there. We've got fluid, we have protein, and we have carbohydrate. So yeah, so you're getting three for the price of one. I'm, so, I'm you know me, I'm a bargain shopper. So I love when when I can do that. You know, you, but what about you just said soy could be a, a good source of we know it's a good quality protein, but maybe get some uh, leucine in there. So would you it, would you have to have like more soy because you said it's not it's not as robust as animal right, products. So right. what would you so, do? Yeah, so you you would, instead of it maybe being like a, a glass of soy milk, like an eight ounce glass, you're looking yeah, probably right. 12. So right. you're probably okay, going up much. about 50%. Yeah. yeah, not that much. So, yeah. And you know that, I'm glad you said this uh, about the almond milk or oat milk and things like that. I think they're um, interesting and they have a wonderful flavor to them, but you got to be careful because when it comes to protein, right, Leslie, not, not uh, you know, it's not the same. It isn't the same. And, you know, and sometimes people are, are very uh, excited, but, oh, look, it's very low in calories. So why do you think that is? Because it's mostly water. Hello. So, but you know, when you're looking for something, it's, it's not a one-for-one swap. And so if you're going to opt to do an almond milk or other nut milk instead of using a dairy milk, then you're going to have to make sure you make that up with other things, enough protein. So maybe I'm doing my almond milk with a rotisserie chicken. Yeah. Or, you know, the same thing true for gluten. We will forget it. Gluten is the protein in wheat, rye, barley, you know. So if you're just going to take all that out, gluten-free items do not have the same amount of protein in it. So you have to factor all of this in so you don't end up unnecessarily in a deficit. 
So tell, tell me honestly, have you, yeah, because you've been doing this, uh, you know, you started very, very young, but you've knew this about 30 years of being like this, you know, hot shot counting. This is like fossil fuel. We old, we both. That's it. <laughs> so you've been doing this and you're really on top of your game. She, she has worked with other teams, uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, I and mean, she's worked for other. Did you ever counsel a vegan player? Yes. And as a matter of fact, one of our former uh, chiefs, who is unfortunately not playing for us anymore, as happens in the world of football, was. And I mean, there's, I mean, he's just absolutely wonderful, talented player, six foot six, 280 pounds, very low body fat and vegan. Not only vegan, but did not want to eat soy just because he didn't. Uh, and so let me tell you, it's a little bit of a challenge when you're trying to optimize protein intake, calorie intake, everything intake over. Thank God he ate gluten. <laughs> Thank God he had gluten. It was okay. So we were able to figure this out, but yeah. you know, using and, and and even beans. I mean, I love them and I eat them all the time. But there is an upper limit for yeah. what truly feels comfortable in your gut that you can tolerate. So trying to find other plant-based protein sources to get what he needed to have over the course of every meal. Kudos to our chef; they did a fantastic job. I, I can't imagine how much peanut butter you must have went through. You know. <laughs> <laughs> all nut butter, seeds, <laughs> lentils. We had it all going on. All going on. That's great. That's great. Okay. So we need to, you know, look at the quality. We need to make sure that we have it going um, enough during the day. I read something um, that you should have some before you go to sleep. So is that true? Well, you know, when we look at, again, this this distribution of protein, uh, you know, is it not having it all at one time of the day and realizing that for most of us is from dinner until we eat the next day, that's probably our longest period of time without food, right? It just is. So are you going to be in a fasted state more in breakdown mode? Yes, because you're that long without food, right? That's happening. So there are some studies suggesting that if you shorten that window from when you ate to when you eat again, you will have better retention of muscle. Now, okay. however, if somebody says like last night here, they had steaks and, you know, this wasn't a petite filet, <laughs> this was the entire steer. So, you know, <laughs> did everybody necessarily have to have protein and, and, and later? Can I no. Can, can I clarify that every player got a steer? Every not, just, player. Not, not, not to steer for all the players. No, no. Every player, every, got every player I got, I got, got, they yeah, were riding right. out on the steer. It was really a sight to see. So, you know, how, so, and, and they, but they ate early. So dinner yesterday here was four. And then they had meetings and then snack was around 10. So, yeah, yeah if you can't at four and you're going to wait yeah. until 6 a.m., it's too long. So, yeah. but we factor that into the day. So instead of somebody saying, I'm going to have a huge amount of dinner, maybe I'm going to have a little bit less of dinner with other things on my plate. And then I'm going to have some of that protein before I go to bed. So it's not necessarily more protein. It's how you divide it over the day. Yeah. yeah. Reserving so there some. Again. There we go again. It's like when you first start out is don't eat the whole, you know, rotisserie chicken all in one seating, spread it out. Um, and so now, you know, if I do all the body parts of the three meals, I'm going to save the wing maybe before oh, I go wait. to bed. Yeah, maybe right. not fried, but yes, the wing before it <laughs> Just give me a little bit of a protein and then I'm going to wake up with feathers and I'm going to be clucking all clucking day long. And clucking. Okay, there we go. So um, with all of this protein, you know, we're talking about being, we're being silly and talking about a, eating a steer, but is there an issue where you can get too much and are there medical problems if you ate like 
too much? Well, and certainly having listened to Stu Phillips and others that talk about this all the time, it would be really hard to do that for most people. And that's simply because it's always going to be a pretty similar profile with protein. You're either eating a meat or, you know, with with plant-based proteins, there tends to be an upper limit or how many bars or shakes people can have. So, yeah, but when we look at the AMDR, we're looking anywhere from 10 to 35% of the calories could be from protein. So for people to truly exceed that, they're probably not going to do that. I think the biggest concern, not health concerns, unless somebody has underlying kidney disease or, or liver disease, is that then what you don't have. If somebody right. is so focused on right. the protein, where is the carbohydrate? Where is the right. produce, that other pro word? You know, where is you know, some fat? You know, so these are the things that that's why I really want the balance. Right. All right. This is what I wanted to do before I let you go. Um, you're talking about having this um, all through the day and then maybe a snack. So for my listeners, just give me like, you know, like a sample breakfast, lunch, you know, not the amounts, just the kind of foods that would make up a, a, a healthy, you know, protein rich, but also carbohydrate um, full uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner and a snack, an, e- an evening snack. And tell me, what would, where would that look like? Yeah, so it would take a, a couple eggs in the morning with a little bit of leftover vegetables because we know how important getting produce yeah. in, put yeah. it in a yeah. pita and you're good. Even a little drizzle of hummus on that, there you go. Mm. For lunch, uh, something like tuna and cannellini beans, maybe a little bit of grape tomatoes in there with some leftover pasta, very, very simple. For a snack item, doing something like a Greek yogurt, putting some berries on there and maybe like a little bit of, of almonds that work. And I really love the idea of the pairing. So like a stir fry at dinner. So whether oh, that's yeah. that leftover steer and you put some vegetables with it and you put it over an udon or put it over rice. And, you know, to end the night, uh, if somebody says, I'm going to do that glass of chocolate milk or I'm going to make a smoothie that's not the entire blender, then that works really well. Put a little nut butter in there, put a little fruit in there, put a protein of some kind and you have just done the day. Right. So again, it's distribution throughout the day. It's good quality. But you know, th- what you're saying to me, I'm visualizing all this food in my head. It's like, that sounds delicious. And I think that's really the key. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it's you, what you're doing is you're pairing it because we, we all know that taste is the number one driver. So you, you know, you want to have foods that are healthy, well-balanced and that taste good. And what you, and I love what you just, you know, spit out for us on the top of your head, which cracks me up, that um, it doesn't sound like it's expensive. I don't think it has to be expensive. And, you know, I always talk about the wealth on the shelf, right? What do you have at home that you can use, that you can put together quickly, some things that don't even have to be baked, so to speak. So it doesn't have to take a lot of time. That's really what we're looking for. And being consistent and realizing protein is part of that plate. It's not the only thing on that plate. What else are you bringing with it? All right, Miss Leslie Bonsi. She is the sports dietitian of the year. In fact, she's gotten so many awards that I look at all the things behind her. Those are probably all awards. <laughs> anyway, she's so good. And I just want to tell you, uh, keep up the good work. And you're working again with the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, if they beat us in the playoffs, we're, I'm going to delete this episode. Oh. And I will, yes, I'm going to take it down. I'm deleting it. So we'll we'll start off the season with it. But if you beat the Patriots, this is being cut. Okay. Up there. Okay. okay. It is. I am what I am. So with that, Miss Leslie Bonzi, thank you so much for being on Spot On. My pleasure. Spot On. 
Spot On is supported by the Boston University Sargent College's Master of Science degree in Nutrition program. Log on to bu.edu to learn more about this fabulous nutrition graduate program. Thank you for listening to Spot On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This way you'll get every new episode every week. And by the way, leave us a nice review. And can you also like us on our Spot On Facebook page and suggest topics for future episodes? Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joan Salji Blake. And oh, by the way, can you send this episode to five of your friends? Do I ask a lot of you?